Hello, horse lovers, and hello, mystery lovers, and lucky you, we've combined those two things into one thing, which we're calling Horse Mysteries, all about mysteries in the world of horses. My name is David Dedrick. My name's Lisa Williamson. I'm the co-host. I know nothing about horses. Lisa Williamson is a horse expert, a self-declared horse expert. She wears a, a <laughs> shirt that says, yes, I am Lisa Williamson, horse expert, wherever she goes. She's giving me a sidelong <laughs> glance that may result in my in some bodily injury later on this evening. Hey, dear. Yes. Uh, I decided we we're going to have a little segment before we start with a mystery. Mm-hmm. I didn't warn you about this at all. Okay. I've just spontaneously decided to do it. Okay. <laughs> and because we were taught, you were um, the other we, a couple weeks ago on Sneaky Dragon. You you brought up the horse's eye. Okay. And you had yeah. some little inf- little info bits about that. Yeah. And so I just thought I was just gonna I'm gonna name a horse part, and I want you to talk a little bit about it. Oh dear. Okay. And this is gonna be easy for you. Yeah. I'm gonna start with an easy one. Okay. And I want you to tell us a little bit about the spleen of the horse. Oh, the spleen of the horse. Okay. Um, spleen of the horse is interesting because it's yeah only on one side. It's like similar to the person. It's just on one side, mm-hmm. like right up underneath your rib cage on the left, but. Unlike with the person, where your spleen's maybe about the size of or the length of your thumb, it's okay. quite small. Yeah. Um, with it's the, about. I've heard it's about the size of a spleen. Yes, that's right. A human. Yeah. So. To be accurate. Um, yeah. So with a horse, the the spleen is kind of if you can picture like one of those big black garbage bags, and so it extends basically the full length of their rib cage underneath the rib cage and can go back like almost as far as their hip bone okay and that's when it's relaxed and it's filled with billions i think billions of red blood cells and it's just a reservoir for red blood cells and basically you know the horse is a flight animal Mm -hmm. and so when something startles the horse the spleen contracts into a very small thing and that just shoots all these red blood cells out to the horse's muscles Mm -hmm. uh, and so kind of turbocharges the horse which is why your horse can go from uh, zero to 60 almost uh, kilometers an hour out of the starting gate <laughs> yeah, or yeah. Uh, zero to 60 when they spook at something as well, spin around and run in the other direction. So yeah, yeah, they can develop a very high rate of speed in a very short amount of time because yeah, they can be turbocharged by this. So is there, do you say it's like a muscle contraction that Well, just yeah, the, yes, the contraction of the spleen just basically sends all these red blood cells out to the muscles. So oxygenates the blood okay. um, and the muscles and yeah, and then they yeah get all this extra energy that they didn't have before. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Now, obviously, that helps like thoroughbreds race more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, any horse. So, so you can use it for good. You can use it for evil as far as a horse goes. <laughs> Not that horses are evil, but yeah, they can use it for things that we want them to use it for, like yeah. going out of the starting gate at a track. But yeah. they can also use it for spooking, right? And sure, bolting sure. off or whatever. But uh-huh. they, they use it. I mean, in an evolutionary sense, it was used to save them from mountain lions or whatever predator was after them sure sure all right well cool mm-hmm. there we go everyone that was a new segment called horse bits yeah spleens <laughs> today and in the future <laughs> all right this week we have another mystery and uh, what is this mystery called i decided to call this one follow the money okay you okay. may start okay thank you after right. i fire this pistol in the air <laughs>
So the date is fall of 2011. 2011? 2011. I remember then. Yeah, not that long ago. Huh. And the setting, uh, so last time we were in the in Ireland, but mm -hmm. we're back into the USA. All right. Uh, and it's a place called Dixon, which is situated in Lee County, Illinois. I see. So it's like about 100 miles southwest of Chicago. Okay. It's also the childhood home of Ronald Reagan. Wow, mm -hmm. I didn't know that. Oh. So there's a lady called Kath or Kathy Swanson. It's K-A-T-H-E. Would you say Kath or Kathy? I think it would be Kathy. Yeah, I thought it was Kathy. Okay, so Kathy Swanson. Sure. Um, and her job was, she was city clerk of Dixon, Illinois. Was there a, a hyphen between the Kath and the E? No, no. All right. So she was filling in for her immediate boss, who was the Dixon City Comptroller. Actually, I just read recently, it's called Controller. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah, that M, it, it's a silent P. Anyway. Um, well, so, it's a silent M as well. Yeah. So, yeah, it's supposed to be uh, pronounced controller, but whatever. Uh, right. And treasurer. So we've learned now that it's it's a Van Eyre. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Rita Crundwell is the name of the lady who is her boss. Mm. And Rita, at, that, at, the, at this time, so in fall of 2011, she was away on a 12-week unpaid leave to attend a horse show. Okay. So... Typically, in the course of her banking duties, Swanson Superior Crundwell would direct Swanson to request specific bank statements. But on this day, because Crundwell was away, um, Swanson was trying to clear up some confusing paperwork, and she just submitted what you know she thought was a routine request. She so called the city's banking institute, which is called the Fifth Third Bank of Ohio, and by mistake, <laughs> she asked for all accounts that were under the city's name. Okay. So she got the bank statements, and in reading through them, she discovered an account that she was not familiar with, which was called the Reserve Sewer Capital Develop Development Account, or RSCDA, which was care of Rita Crundwell. Okay. So she read through the statements. She noticed that there were numerous large transactions that had nothing to do with city business. Specifically, there was a recent large transfer to RC Quarter Horses, which was well-known in a small town as Crundwell's very successful home farm and business. Okay. Uh, so she continued looking at the documents and it showed that RSCD ha a account had 179 deposits. Many of them were quite large. And there was also a lot of associated checking activity. Uh, so Swanson brought the account to the attention of the part-time mayor, James Burke. So Burke immediately recognized that the account was questionable and then contacted the Rockford, Rockford Illinois, FBI. Hmm. For the next six months, uh, by this time, Crundwell had come back yeah. and Swanson and Mayor Burke have to basically act like everything is copacetic, like... Just That's what old, I was thinking of. Yeah, plain old, same old, same old, yeah. while continuing to work beside Crunwell. Meanwhile, the FBI were surveilling her and investigating her business and her banking activity. Uh, Crunwell, who is completely aware of all of this, continues to siphon money from the town's accounts. So she knew there was an FBI investigation. She did not know. Oh, completely she not. unaware. She's yeah. completely. I thought you said yeah. she was completely aware of this. Okay. No, that would be dumb. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was... Dumb of her to go on vacation when she was... Yeah. 
we'll just look at who Rita Crendwell was. She was born in 1953. Her maiden name was Rita Humphrey. Um, her family had modest means. They lived on a small farm just outside of Dixon. Uh, her mother, Caroline, had been involved in showing horses on a very small scale. And then Crendwell herself had been a 4-H member in her youth, but going back in records, it didn't show anything significant as far as wins or appearances at larger competitions, with the exception of her getting a reserve championship in a halter class in the 1971 Lee County Fair. So that was her kind of big moment in 4-H. Hmm. In 1970, while she was still in high school, she, she was described as a smart and popular student. And then at 17 years of age, she was placed as an intern in the city offices as part of a high school sort of outreach or uh, work experience program. Uh, and this ended up leading to a part-time job for her with the city. So her high school yearbook indicated that she had intended to attend the local community college once she graduated, and she did graduate on the honor roll, but she never ended up going to college. She hmm. continued working in the city office as a clerk. So at about the same time as she started working full-time in City Hall, the guy who was the outgoing mayor at that time, his name was George Lindquist. He had been the mayor for about 12 years, but as he was leaving, he restructured the office to create the controller's position, and he envisioned it as a liaison to all areas of finance in the local government, um, and he felt this would be appropriate since the town did not have a full-time mayor and it did not have a city manager. Hmm. So, so in, in other words, it had no oversight over this. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So on October 12th in 1974, uh, Rita married a guy called Jerry Crundwell, who was an engineering technician that was a friend of her brother's, and he was 13 years older than her. Hmm. And then four years later, she started showing American quarter horses. And then five years after that, she got appointed to be the city controller or city treasurer. Hmm. So before okay. that, she was just a clerk. I see. And within a year, her mom dies and she leaves Rita her property that she has, the small farm they had, mm -hmm. which was 1679 U.S. Route in the town, Dixon. Did you say how big it was? How, like, how no, many acres? They, they just said it was small. So I envisioned five acres, but, you know, in that part of the world, yeah. you know, small is maybe... 20 acres or 40 acres because yeah big yeah. can be really big yeah different from here okay so yeah at about that time yeah it takes about a couple years to settle the estate so it's just basically this estate is settled by 1986 but in the meantime 1985 she experiences her first big success at a horse show which was at the regional or state level she won both the Indiana State Quarter Horse Championship and the National Texas State Hunter Under Saddle Championship with one of her horses. So that same year, 86, she divorced her husband. Okay. Uh, she cited mental abuse. Her husband was a no-show at the hearing, and the judge divided their assets and gave the property, which was valued at $80,000, okay. uh, to Rita. So again, that was a property she inherited from her mother, she also kept her six-year-old Oldsmobile while he kept his 1983 pickup truck. So at that time, she testified that her take-home pay was $20,000 a year, and there were no horses mentioned in the settlement agreement, although hmm. she did have horses. Okay. By 1989, she had bought three more horses and was competing extensively at the regional and state level. 
So it was said that she did not necessarily have the training to do the job that she did at City Hall, but she was viewed as highly competent, and the attitude in City Hall was ask Rita. Okay. So if anything came up, she was the go-to person. Sure. Um, She was also described as the type of person everyone trusted. Uh, When she traveled for horse shows, which was quite frequently, she would always dock her own pay for the time that she took off. So, yeah, she would never take like sick days or anything like that. Hmm. Uh, She was also well-respected in her job and in 2011 had been praised by the city commissioner for her stewardship of the city's finances. Uh, The city commissioner stated she looks after every tax dollar as if it were her own. (laughs) Oh, the irony. (laughs) Okay, so. In spite of her frequent and lengthy absences to attend horse shows, she was seen as being a devoted employee. When she was on the road, she would call City Hall every day. She carried a portable computer with her so she could access city emails. In the 2003 edition of a magazine called Equine Chronicle, she was quoted as saying her co-workers were very accommodating for her traveling to horse shows um, and said, they are used to me being gone in August, October, and November. Her yearly salary at the time of the incident was $80,000. Going back to 2004, she had been making 57000 So that was a 40% increase over eight years. Not bad. Mm-hmm. Pretty good. The town of Dixon was very small. And so it didn't have much in the way of resources. Uh, Lee County, that whole area, had experienced a significant economic downturn in the late 1970s. Uh, At the government level, the town of Dixon could only afford a few full-time employees. They didn't even have a full-time mayor. Rita was one of the few full-time employees. It did not employ a full or part-time accountant. I see. So the Fifth Third Bank of Ohio was the city of Dixon's banking institution. Sure. So when Crundwell went in to open... It was a small town. They couldn't go to the second... That's right. Fifth Bank. Yeah. So yeah, when Crundwell opened RSCDA in 1990, she just walked in and opened it up all by herself. Didn't need a second signing authority. So yeah, most banks, including Fifth Third, usually do require additional people to open such accounts to prevent fraud. But in this case, the bank did not follow their own protocol. Sure. Yeah. It was Rita. Yeah. Yeah, ask Rita. She'll know how to do it. Yeah, she's trustworthy. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so Clifton Gunderson was a company who performed the annual city audits. So during the 1980s, uh, Rita played first base with the Clifton Gunderson accounting team softball team. Uh, Rita had friends at the firm, and they would get together for lunch or for beers after work. Hmm. So red flags that were missed by Clifton Gunderson and the later accountant included falsified invoices that missed key information, that had misspellings, and that bore dates that did not exist, for instance, April 31st. I see. Yeah. So Clifton Gunderson also did Rita's personal tax returns. So not only was this a conflict of interest, um, discrepancies in Crundwell's personal income were not accounted for. So, for example, a 2007 tax return showed a gross income of $700,000. So, Clifton Gunderson did not require any documentation to explain this income. What? <laughs> yeah, so she was claiming it on her taxes. Yeah, but, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's honest. 
I guess. All right. So in 2005, well, it's probably it's probably more punishment in in tax fraud than there is in embezzlement. So uh... mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah. So in 2005, new regulations were created that stated auditors could not provide both non-attest services and auditing services. So this group skirted this technicality by resigning from auditing assignments with the city, but they in fact continued to do the audits and used an accountant from a neighboring town. So Samuel Card of a, a business called Janus Card Accounting signed off on the financials to make it appear as though a different firm was performing the audit. Hmm. Yeah, bunch of dummies. It should be noted that an auditor's job does not really involve looking for fraud. So No, I was going to say, this is not, they're not a forensic accountant. They're mm -hmm. just checking at the same time. Yeah, pretty significant uh, discrepancies. So, Mayor Burke yeah. claims that he had questioned how she could afford to live such a lavish lifestyle on her current salary. He also claimed to have approached the accounting firm of Clifton Gunderson with questions about Rita, but was shut down, in quotation marks. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. Sounds like he opened a CYA account. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So on April 17th, 2012, Crundwell arrived at work to find FBI agents waiting for her. So how long was there, was there investigation? Six months. So it was fall of 2011. So it took them till April 17th. What date is it today? What's, oh, today's the 16th? Yeah. It's, like, it's the anniversary. <laughs> Almost there. <laughs> so it seems odd that it took them six months to discover that she shouldn't have been making $700,000 a No, year it didn't take them that long to discover. I think they needed to, like the FBI was going through her books. They were going through all her banking. I think they were just trying to set their case up. I see. So that they could just walk in and go, you're busted. Yeah, yeah. And, and actually have a oh, case. I hope that's what they said. <laughs> Well, they were waiting for her. She showed little emotion when she was arrested later that day and indicted by a federal grand jury. She for... probably was like expecting this to fall, all this, like the axe to drop at some point. Probably. I think you would have to be. If you were living that kind of life, you have to know it's got a limited time on it, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Probably, she probably was like, I can't believe it took you. Mm -hmm. I thought I'd get... I thought 2007's tax return would give yeah, me away. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe it lasted this long. Yeah. So what she had done is over the years, they found that she had embezzled $30 million from the city. How on earth? <laughs> like, how much money does a city make? <laughs> so here we have this small place that's not even doesn't even get a first first bank. Yeah. It gets some low low rent bank. That's like the fifth of the third 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 series of banks, or however they yeah. set them up in this weird state. It's like a farm community, right? Yeah, farm community. In fact, um, the neighboring community is the town. Let me see. Um, it was the home of John Deere. So okay. it's that that much of a farm community. That, yeah. the, that's the next door town called Grand Detour. Okay. But yeah, John Grand Deere Detour. was from there. So, I mean, it, it's very much a farming community. So, um, Like if yeah. you had John Deere in your, in your business... Uh, area then you could see like 30 million dollars but yeah that that wasn't the case because another neighboring town rockford had the highest unemployment rate in the country in 1982 this was actually a very depressed area from yeah. the 70s all through the yeah, 80s yeah, well, farming yeah so, yeah. yeah a lot of uh yeah this is before they discovered blueberries <laughs> i don't think they do blueberries out there um so yeah anyway yeah she was 
indicted for yeah embezzling thirty million from the city over the previous six years. I know, just shocking. Well, I guess that's five million a year. Yeah, yeah. So, so you think you'd notice? You'd think you'd notice. You're yeah. like, well, let's put a pool in. People are like, oh, we don't have any money. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you mean we don't have any money? Yeah. What about our SCDA V456? <laughs> well, no one knows about that. No, That's her personal account. Yeah. So, yeah. So, anyways, what she was charged with is one count of wire fraud, and then she was released on bail the next day, so April 18th, 2012. So, once the fraud was exposed, agents from the U.S. Marshal's Office executed search and seizure warrants and took control of all her assets. She was fired by the city of Dixon in April of 2012. And then on May 2nd, 2012, a superseding indictment charged Crundell with embezzling the city of $53 million over the previous 22 years. Holy cow. Yeah. That's incredible. I know. <laughs> it seems so weird that no one would notice a $53 million hole in yeah. there. Yeah. So. I guess she's the one who's yeah looking at it so yeah, she's the, she's fine. the only one. Yeah. She, that's all good. She was the grand, the grand poobah. So. I mean, you mentioned that she had quarter horses. Mm-hmm. Quarter horses aren't worth $53 million. Oh, you would be surprised. Just wait. <laughs> just wait until you hear. <laughs> yeah, in 1970, while in high school, she started working part-time for the city, as we said, and over the next decade, got a lot of experience and respect. And then again, in 83, she was appointed the city treasurer. So... Between 1988 and 1990, so that was shortly after her divorce and her mother's death, uh, she stole approximately $25,000 from Dixon's sister city program. So, yeah, you know, that's probably uh, an account that's not used very much, okay. one of those sister city things, and right. it's a small amount over two years. Well, small to her, I guess. Mm-hmm. Then on December 8th, 1990, that's when she opened the secret bank account that she alone controlled. Um, And again, it was called the RSDCA Reserve Fund. And then it was always, you know, attention or care of Rita Crundwell. So it was a for her eyes only account. So the reality was no such account existed for the city. And she kept the existence of this account a secret. She was the lone signatory for the secret for the account. Um, money would be deposited in the city's capital development fund. So okay. any money coming in for, like you said, swimming pools or anything else, sure. all this money Plain would fields. be yeah, would go into there. Well think, and so, think yeah. about all the I mean think of all, all the deprivation that, that this mm-hmm. is the cause like kids mm-hmm. who didn't have like a playing field mm-hmm. or, yeah. or like a swimming pool all the stuff that could have been used for yes for infrastructure yeah. and stuff like that for this for yeah and i think that's that's kind of the big crime the fact that she stole this much money and just kind of blew it all on horse shows and herself but the fact that you know she deprived so many of so much yeah. especially in such a tiny little yeah, small Pretty town, much impoverished yeah. town. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't like she was stealing from rich people. Yeah. Again, no such money or no such account existed for the city. She kept the existence of the account a secret. She was a lone signatory. Um, she concealed the movement of money with fictitious invoices. And again, we said many spelling mistakes, inconsistencies in the billing information. Many of the invoices were supposed to be from the Illinois Department of Transportation. She personally picked up all city mail, and then when she was away, she would have a relative come in to pick up the mail. She wouldn't let an employee of City Hall pick Hmm. up mail. Hmm. 
So in December 1990, she began expanding both her home and her quarter horse farm. In January 1991, she began began transferring money from city accounts to the RSDCA account. Uh, by the end of 1991, she had transferred $181. So that was her first big stealing. $181. Oh, $181,000. Sorry, $181,000. That's going to buy you a lot. <laughs> that's a yeah. small start. Yeah. So you suddenly go up to fifty-three. Right? Buy, your, buy your grain for a month. No, $181,000. Okay. And then thinking again about the value of her property, you know, yeah. that's like, what, three times as much yeah. more? Yeah. yeah. So the amounts that she stole increased annually to a high of $5.8 million in 2008. And of course, 2008 was a big crash year as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. So on average, she stole $2.5 million a year annually for 20 years. Wow. Yeah. So initially, she transferred money from the city's money market accounts and various other accounts. Later, she made transfers from the city capital development account. So she maintained records of fictitious capital projects in the process, creating 179 phony invoices. So she would say, like, this was called the sewer development. Yeah. So she would say, oh, we're putting sewer in in this area or putting sewer in in that area, et cetera. So these fictitious projects did not show up in city council meeting minutes and would have acted as red flags if they had. Mm -hmm. So the money was used to pay for her personal and private business expenses, the money covered costs on her horse farming operation, credit card expenses, real estate, and vehicle purchase purchases. Hmm. So in 1997, she built stables for her horses on the property. Uh, in the late 1990s, she started to compete at the national level in the American Quarter Horse Association, or AQHA, World Championship Shows. In 2000, she extended... So is she just going into like halter classes and leading? She's not riding, is Oh, she? yeah, she's riding as oh, okay. well. Yeah, okay. All sorts of like the um, first time she was showing at the regional level and did well was Hunter Under Saddle. So she's actually showing English. Okay. How a quarter horse goes English is very different from how our horses would go English, but I yeah, see. still in English tag. Our horses raise their pinky when they drink the That's tea. That's right. Uh, so in in 2000, she extensively renovated the house, doubled it in size, and she put in an in-ground pool. <laughs> so in 2002, she purchased an additional property at 1556 Red Brick Road from a family member, Richard A. Humphrey Sr., and she paid $540,000. So she paid in halves, so paid part of it in 2002, and then the other half she paid out in 2011. So this property, described as a world-class facility, was initially known as RC Quarter Horses and later known as Rita's Ranch. (laughs) So in 2002, Crundwell was also winning national titles with her quarter horse at the World uh, Championships in Oklahoma City. But then the financial crash of 2008 tightened the purse strings in the city. Mm -hmm. So... Meanwhile, RC Quarter Horses had become one of the best-known quarter horse operations in the USA. Crundwell's horses had won 52 world championships. Crundwell herself had been named American Quarter Horse Association's leading owner for the eight years up to her arrest, so from 2003 to 2011. So although she was considered competent in her job at the city hall. She was also considered a bit distant and did not have a lot of close friends at, either at work or in town. Yeah, she's a sociopath. Mm-hmm. Uh, sociopath. Yeah. So the town citizens 
generally thought she had either inherited money or that her breeding farm and and horse sales were so profitable and they were paying for, Mm -hmm. you know, all Mm -hmm. these expansions. Sure. So in 2006, she built a 119,000 square foot horse barn, complete with stalls, indoor arena, office and storage. Uh, the following year, 2007, she bought a 43-acre property at 1403 Dutch Road and paid 311000 So she put 71000 down and then took out a $240,000 mortgage to purchase the property. Hmm. And then her brother, Richard J. Humphrey, bought the adjoining 37 acres at the same time. So next door. Mm-hmm. Did he actually buy it or did he buy it with her with her money? Mm, there's some questions about that. Okay. So in 2007, she also acquired 81 acres of land near Nachusa Road and Interstate 88 and an adjoining 7.5 acre lot with a house and barn in Beloit, Wisconsin. So these two properties together became known as the Mary J Ranch. So the whole time she was stealing, Crundwell participated in budget meetings with city council members and department heads. She refused requests for funds for basic maintenance and upkeep in the community. (laughs) She forced departments to make drastic service cuts. Employees went for years without raises. The police were not able to afford new radios. The works department was unable to buy vehicles. The city was unable to maintain the roads and was forced to lay off three of its nine workers. So between 2000 and 2012, only 63 blocks of road were repaired or replaced. The superintendent of Dixon Street Department was constantly being told by Crundwell that there was not enough money for these requirements. Well, there wasn't. (laughs) Because she had it all. Yeah. Yeah. It's all going into sewers. Yeah. So she explained the city's lack of funds on economic downturns, including the 2008 recession, and on the state of Illinois being behind in its payments. So I guess they get tax money, but the state gives... Yeah, yeah. 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 I don't know how it works, but yeah. So... In one incident on September 8th, 2009, Crundwell wrote checks for $150,000 and $200,000 that were destined for her own account, so all on the same day. So first she deposited the checks in Dixon's Capital Development Fund, then the same day wrote a check for $350,000 payable to Treasurer, then deposited that into her secret RSCDA account. Uh, So false invoices were created indicating that the payment was for sewer repairs. So that same day, she wrote a check on the RSDCA account for 225000 that was deposited in her RC Quarter Horse account that covered a 225000 check she had written on September 1st, 2009 for the purchase of a mare called Pazazi Lady. So wow. Almost a quarter of a million dollars for a horse. But you get laid off, sir. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This is a, what a person. I know. So... In 2010, she had a two-story house built on the Dutch Road property. Uh, In 2011, she brought the adjoining land, the 37 acres beside the Dutch Road property, from her brother. Uh, She named many of her horses after money and wealth, including horses called I'm in the Money Too and Pack and Jewels. (laughs) (sighs) Yeah. So she owned 400 horses. 400. Wow. 
Yeah. That you're jealous? Yes, I am. So many of them were in training with various trainers across the, the United States. Okay. So yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it wasn't like she was doing all the work herself. Yeah. And yeah, that can cost a lot of money, a crazy amount of money. She was farming the moat. Yeah. Literally. So the city's outside auditors, Clifton Gunderson and accountant Samuel Card, assumed that Crundwell was honest and continued to sign off on the city's annual financial statements. <laughs> the city of Dixon, being small, lacked sufficient funds for outside audits. For most oh, of her tenure, sure did. yeah, uh, Crundwell had nearly total control of the city's accounts. Few city employees had access to the city's financial statements. Crundwell had created a system where she personally picked up the city's bank statements, as we said, to ensure control, either she or a relative. Additionally, Crundwell bought an Inglewood, Florida vacation home, had a 2009 custom-ordered $2 million RV, and a $259,000 horse trailer. She owned a 20-foot boat, a 2005 Thunderbird, a 1967 Corvette, an Acura, a Hummer, and more than four dozen trucks, trailers, and motorized farm vehicles. She bought herself $339,000 in custom jewelry as well as furs. She was found to have used city funds to pay for pay off $2.5 million on her American Express card. And when she was arrested, she had $224,898 in cash in her two bank accounts. This was the largest U.S. municipal fraud in history. Mm-hmm. You can imagine. Uh, she was required to forfeit more than $53.7 million in cash, assets, and possessions, equivalent to the amount stolen, thereby making full restitution to the city. So from the day of her arrest, she worked with the government on the sale of her assets, including all her horses, to help recoup losses suffered by the city. An organization called Rally Capital Advisors was called in to inventory and set up a plan of care for the 400-plus animals. They immediately hired back all of Crundwell's staff and hired additional staff as needed. (laughs) Basic health care needs were covered, feeding, housing, vet, and farrier, as well as the organization of the maintenance of competitive level training. So this measure was in place from April through September. On September 20th, 2012, Crundwell was also indicted on 60 state counts of theft. So this covered $11.2 million stolen between April 2010 up to the day of her arrest. The charges carried a minimum term of six years per count and were a backup in case Crundwell was acquitted on the federal charges. I see. Yeah. The state charges were dropped in April 2012 as there were no assets to seize. <laughs> State and federal sentences would likely run concurrently, so it was felt to be a waste of taxpayer money to pursue this. On September 23rd, 2012, an auction was held in which all of Crundwell's horses were dispersed in a sale. So additionally, her other assets, such as jewelry, motor vehicles, and real estate were sold. Only $11 million was recovered through this sale. Well, how did... So... She was ordered to pay back the $53 million. Yeah, she was ordered. But she and did not pay back the $53 no, million. No, I think she did her best to pay it back. Like, she worked with them. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they made sure the horses stayed in training and everything. But, you know, a horse is only value, valued for what someone is willing to pay for it. Oh, no, I understand that. Yeah. So it's just like I misunderstood what you said because you sounded like earlier you said that she paid back the fifty three million. Well, she sales. worked towards paying it back, I but understand. when they sold everything, they only on were able to recover eleven million from the sales. Mm-hmm. 
So her horses were all sold, including her champion stallion, Good I Will Be, who went for 775000 Unfortunately, he died a year later. Mm. Um, and another horse called Invest in a Hot Star sold for 57000 He died two years later. Three more stallions sold for a combined value of approximately 150000 so at auction, the property located at 1556 Red Brick Road in Dixon was purchased by her nephew, Richard A. Humphrey Jr., and his wife for $1.1 million. Okay. So the property, which had been assessed in 2011 for 146000 sold for 10 times as much in 2012. I see. Humphreys owns a waste management firm called Affordable Waste, which has a long-time contract with the city of Dixon. <laughs> he owns a business I'm called Humphrey Show Cattle. Uh, Humphrey stated that he had taken a mortgage out to buy back what he referred to as the family farm. He claimed to not have received any money from his aunt toward the purchase of the property. There has been no investigation regarding this suspicious family purchase. As of 2021, the Red Brick Road Farm is still owned and operated by the Humphrey family, and Derek Humphrey, who was in high school as recently as 2017, is listed as a primary contact for the show cattle business, which the farm now specializes in. So they concentrate on beef breeds such as Hereford, Angus, Semmental, Maine Anjou, and various mixes. Sure. But yeah, they're gone from showing horses to showing cows. <laughs> So on November 17, 2012, Crundwell pled guilty before Judge Philip Reinhardt to the single count of wire fraud. So as a part of the deal, she admitted to money laundering. So had she not pled guilty, she would have had additional charges of bank fraud, wire fraud, and money laundering, and could have faced life in prison. Isn't wire fraud such an odd description? That's like, just um, doing something over the phone? Is that what that is? Well, I assume it leads back to tele te the telegraph. Yeah. When it would have been like wire, mm -hmm. but it's just a weird kind of holdover. It's kind of like if you've never done it, but if you do customs paperwork, oh, okay, the descriptions for things like you have to try and find like like the nearest description. Mm -hmm. You're like, okay, I'm trying to do help corsets. Okay, that seems close to what I'm because they have all these really antiquated things in it because I guess it's all dates back right a hundred years and no one's updated the descriptions mm -hmm. so. You're just constantly working in this weird archaic system. And yeah. I, I assume this is the same for legal yeah, terms. They just kind of hang around forever, mm -hmm. even though the, the thing is, you know, anyway. Interesting. Okay. So on February... Is it? Yeah, it is. So February 14th, uh, 2013, Crundwell was sentenced to 19 years and seven months in the Federal Medical Center Carswell. 19 years? 19 years. Yeah. Fort Worth, Texas. Wow. She was then I mean, she deserves it, but yeah, I'm just yeah. surprised that it was that. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a severe. lot of money, right? Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, so she was then incarcerated at Federal Correction Institute, Pekin, in Pekin, Illinois. So Crundwell was ordered to serve 85% of her 235-month sentence, and there is no parole in the federal prison system. Hmm. Crundwell was originally scheduled for release on March 5th, 2030. Uh, Crundwell received good conduct time deductions of 52 days per year off of her sentence under the First Step Act. But on April 27, 2020, Crundwell submitted a request for compassionate leave and a second motion requesting home confinement under the First Step Act. She stated concerns about the COVID-19 pandemic and her health issues. She withdrew her request May 18, 2020. Crundwell was then released to a halfway house on August 4th, 2021. So she's hmm. out. 
Crenwell was added to the AQHA suspension list on the February 18th, 2013, which prevented her from ever showing an American Quarter Horse Association shows again. Sure. Which would be hard to do from jail, but... Um, <laughs> however, while in jail, she continued to earn thirteen dollars to $14,000 annually from her former horses due to the AQHA Breeders' Trust, which is a royalty plan where breeders are able to nominate horses they produce so they can collect a portion of the horse's future earnings. So additionally, <laughs> the American Paint Horse Association offered a similar option, and Crundwell has been a top earner in that program. Seems like uh, illicit. Like yeah, you would think the government crime. would be able to. What it's, would be the word? It's proceeds from crime. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the city of Dixon reorganized. <laughs> A new position of finance director was created. The new director reorganized the city's finances and restructured the department. More internal controls were were implemented, including double signatures and no mail being picked up by a single individual. Specialized clerks have been hired. Within a month, the new director indicated that City had experienced an almost $3 million rebound. <laughs> I wonder why. Mm -hmm. So those considered gatekeepers were also investigated for their role. The City of Dixon hired a law firm of Power, Rogers, and Smith to investigate and file lawsuits. Devin Bruce, partner of the firm, was ultimately able to recover $40 million for the City of Dixon. Wow. Mm-hmm. So Clifton Gunderson, the accounting firm responsible for auditing Dixon's finances, was charged with negligence for failing to detect the theft of city funds and was charged $35.15 million. Hmm. They seem to have got off worse than anyone, even Rita. <laughs> Clifton Gunderson was found to have been negligent in its duty to verify that money was actually going toward city projects. Additionally, Fifth Third Bank of Ohio paid $3.85 million. Accounting firm Janice Card Associated paid $1 million. Altogether, by September 2013, the auditors and Fifth Third Bank of Ohio had agreed to a legal settlement of $40 million, and the auction of Crundwell's assets brought in in excess of $9 million. Due to the size of the fraud, the scheme has been the subject of numerous academic and professional publications, as well as a documentary. Well, it's interesting. It's not, it's not that it's a brilliant scheme. It's just that there was absolutely no oversight mm -hmm. over this, you know, and that she just relied entirely on trust. Yes. And people's goodwill. Mm -hmm. And it's unfortunate that that kind of person creates a sort of situation because, mm -hmm. you know, those are those are actually good things to trust people and to, mm -hmm. you know, to have those sort of, that sort of uh, attitude to life is like a good thing. Unfortunately, it's also easily taken advantage of by, mm -hmm. by criminals. Mm -hmm. Do you think she was a sociopath? Oh, probably, yeah. Probably. I mean, she, you know, like I know you said, she did her best to, to. Uh, but I think just because she wants to look good in people's eyes, well, she right? wants to look good in people's eyes, and also she didn't want to spend more jail time than she mm -hmm. had to. So I mean, it was in her own best interest right. to cooperate. But yeah, I do think a big part of that was how she wanted to appear to people. Mm -hmm. You know, she's obviously like she must have been like a queen bee. Yes. And I mean, by bee, I mean the biatch word. <laughs> That she must have been like an impossible person to work with in the office, like just the most mm -hmm. overbearing, mm -hmm. you know, like controlling, uh, controlling, yeah. comptrolling yeah. yeah. also. Like, yeah, just must have been a nightmare to work work with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, interesting thing. When I was growing up, we had, I won't mention any names. Ronald McDonald. Ronald McDonald, but yeah, someone I knew, someone I competed with, um, they had six daughters and they did not have very much money. Mm -hmm. And... And then all of a sudden, 
the second daughter, and their horses were always really skinny and everything sure. like this, and they didn't show very much or anything like that. And all of a sudden, the second daughter, all of a sudden her horse seemed to be fatter and yeah. it looked better. And then she had the fanciest saddle and the parents got her all new outfits. And then she was taking lessons with the trainer I was with. And then oh. they were showing at the big shows, going can to can Thunderbird. Can I ask a quick question? Yeah. Did the second daughter marry someone named Mr. Darcy? No, she didn't. Oh, okay. Um, but I, I just remember thinking, oh, that's weird. And yet the older daughter wasn't really getting any of this and okay. her horse was still skinny. And then yeah. the third one, same story, the horses were skinny and then the kid wasn't getting lessons and they weren't going out to shows. Hmm. And then they did the same thing with the fourth daughter and then they didn't with the fifth and then they did this with the sixth. And so they had three of their kids who had horses, the second one in particular, because she was closer to my age, you know, it was just so weird that, you know, you yeah. would see the family together and... It's like, why are they so skinny with those horses and these ones aren't? And why are these kids going to the shows and these ones aren't? And and then all of a sudden we heard, oh, the dad's been put in jail. He was an accountant for okay. a company in North Van and he, he had been stealing from the company and he got caught. Okay. And so the money was all going directly into their horse show account, obviously. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, yeah. And I remember that was like oh, when I was like... Probably... But you never figured out what, why why some kids got it and some kids didn't. No, that part was just... But again, like you said, like it's, it's, you have to, I think, have a bit of a sociopathic bent to you to begin with to yeah. be able to pick and choose that way. Yeah. Yeah, it was weird. And it, was, it didn't have anything to do with like talent or anything like that. I yeah. think, yeah, it was very weird. No names, though. No names. Even though they were, yeah, it's all went through the court system and everything. But, yeah, that's ancient history now. <laughs> that was a really interesting story. Mm -hmm. And also a mystery. Yes. About horses. Yeah. Hence, the name of this show, Horse Mystery. I'm sorry to say we don't have any comments for this week or any, no one has written us any emails. That's okay. No. <laughs> we want comments and emails, everyone. So please, if you enjoy this show, you can do the following things. You can write to us at our website, which is sneakydragon.com. You'll find the show there with plenty of room underneath for your comments. They are more than welcome. We have an email address that's also Sneaky Dragon related. It's sneakyd at sneakydragon.com. And we'd love to hear from you there. And... Also, please feel free to rate or review our show on iTunes. I want to thank Highland Guy for his review on iTunes. I appreciate that, Chris. I mean, Highland Guy. Please, if someone else wants to say some kind words about us on iTunes, it does help take the show out of, the, out of nowhere and put it somewhere. So if you enjoy it, please spread the word and also tell your friends who enjoy uh, true crime shows about us because word of mouth also helps. At least it doesn't hurt. So there you go, everyone. Thank you very much for listening this week. And we will see you again in two weeks with our final show for this season. One Lisa's very excited about. Mm. Do you have a title for this one yet, dear? I, I do, but I've forgotten what it's called. <laughs> That's a mystery. <laughs> Next show is called It's a Mystery. It's a horse mystery. And it'll be on in two weeks on horse mysteries. So we'll see you then. Thank you, everyone. Bye-bye. Yeah,